0: Welcome to Sanchez Soundwaves. Kawasaki disease is an illness that causes inflammation in blood vessels throughout the body. A common symptom will be a lasting fever, and this condition most often affects kids younger than 5 years old. However, Kawasaki disease is still not well understood, and the cause is yet unknown. Researchers are still trying to find out more about the disease. Today, we are very excited to invite Ellen Hsu, a high school from Del Norte High School. In today's episode, Ellen will be talking about her research and tips for other students who are interested in conducting their own research in high school. So, hi, Ellen.
1: Hey, Ratasha, and thank you so much for having me on. Super excited to be talking about science, about carousel about research, all things I really love and I'm really passionate about.
0: I'm super excited to have you here. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'm currently a rising junior from California, and I'm really interested in the intersection of technology and specifically applied to healthcare. Um, and so, yeah, one, one of my main experiences was with um, research for Kawasaki disease. And um, for that, I've been really thankful to have been present, presenting my research at a variety of different scientific fairs, including two times at ISEF, which is the International Science and Engineering Fair, Um, as well as being also able to work with and attend conferences, invitations from like Scripps Research and a bunch of other places. I'm currently working with doctors and trying to improve my algorithm. So hopefully we'll be able to use my early diagnosis tool someday in the future to help Kawasaki disease early diagnosis. Oh,
0: cool. So can you tell us like what got you into research and a little bit more about why you chose Kawasaki disease?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So how I got into research, it definitely was uh, drawn in through Kawasaki disease. Um, So I guess I'll answer both of them at the same time. Um, But yeah, so my younger sister actually had Kawasaki disease when she was three years old. And um, I was five at the time. So there's a lot of details I don't exactly remember. But what I do remember is that the first time she was misdiagnosed with the flu, because no one really knew um, what Kawasaki disease was. And also, in its early stages, it Shares a lot of clinical criteria with other look-like diseases, so it is really difficult to diagnose properly. Um, and so, like drawing from that personal experience, I'm really thankful my sister was able to get access to some of, like the best um, research centers because San Diego is actually a really good area for Kawasaki disease research. So I'm really thankful that she was able to get eventually diagnosed um, and treated. But seeing that it is a problem for a misdiagnosis and it can lead to a lot of serious long-term heart effects, I wanted to see if I can somehow um, pay back or kind of give back to the doctors who helped save my sister's life and try and develop an early diagnosis tool which could help aid um, efforts to early diagnose Kiosk disease and provide early treatment as well. And so um, I started the research around two and a half years ago. Um, and I at first wasn't really approaching it in terms of research, I just wanted to identify a way to help out. And that eventually led me into trying to develop methods and trying to get into the research process, kind of as a byproduct of that goal of trying to eliminate um, misdiagnosis for sock disease. And eventually I've been able to, um, still working on it. So it's been about like the third year I've been working, but I'm definitely planning on continuing. And it's something I found that I really enjoy. So I'm really thankful to be able to work on this problem that I really care about.
0: That's really interesting. So, you're 16 now and you've been doing it for three years. That's very impressive. Thank um, so you <laughs> so much. What exactly is Kawasaki disease and what are like the symptoms they entail? And can you tell us a little bit more about what you found out about early diagnosis and just stuff like that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Kawasaki okay, disease, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, is like a vasculitis mainly pediatric, which affects children um, and like toddlers. And so it's mainly characterized by um, inflammation of like the vessels of the heart, like you mentioned. And also um, it can lead to a lot of serious uh, side effects if, it, if it's gone untreated. And so one of the main things about Kavosoc disease is that there's only 10 days for most effective intravenous immunoglobulin treatment. And what intravenous immunoglobulin is, oh my God, I love that word. Mm-hmm. Um, is, it's a, it's the, it's a type of, um, treatment for boosting the immune system and trying to reduce the inflammation. Um, And so that is best administered within 10 days of the first onset of fever. So you only have a little bit of time for early diagnosis and really getting into that window. Um, And, since Kawasaki disease was actually discovered pretty recently, it was discovered around 50 years ago by Dr. Kawasaki, so it's named after him. And since then, although a lot has been discovered about it, one thing that's not sure is the cause. So it's still kind of a mystery, and it's still shrouded by the fact that no one really knows exactly the biological factors or like genetic predispositions that affect who gets it and who doesn't. And there's also no specific test for diagnosis. So like, uh, if you were to be diagnosed with other diseases, you could take there's like multiple different set set of diagnosis steps but for chaos disease it's mainly relying on cl- clinical diagnosis meaning a doctor has to actually recognize all these signs. Um, and so to answer a question about the signs, I'm really glad you asked because being able to recognize these signs is such a key factor of early diagnosis. Um, since it really is the only method of um, being able to diagnose chaos disease and distinguish it from its look-like diseases. Um, one mnemonic I really like for chaos disease is called crash and burn. And so each letter of crash stands for a different sign. Um, so the first one is conjunctivitis, or you can think of it as red eyes. Um, and usually it happens in both the eyes as well. Um, and this, is the R in crash and burn is rash. So um, I remember my sister had a rash all over her body as well. And um, rash is a really common piece of KOSOX disease. Third one is adenopathy, which means like swollen lymph nodes. And yeah, it's, it's also one of, um, another name for KOSOX disease is also called like the lymph node syndrome, or like it's related to lymph nodes. That's also a big part of it. Fourth one is strawberry tongue. Fifth one is hands, so the H is hands, which will often become swollen or peeling, and then uh, burn stands for the fever, like you mentioned, which is really high usually, and lasts for five days, so it doesn't really go down, which is pretty pretty frightening. Um, yeah, that's about keto disease, and uh, most people have not heard of it, so uh, hopefully people who are listening they were able to learn something new, and I think it's something that's super fascinating, because there is no direct reason or no one knows I mean, there is a direct reason but no one knows the direct reason. Um, it's really hard to explain because it has so many factors involved with it. It's relatively new and it's actually been going up and it even has relations to COVID-19 which no one really is sure um, too much about but there's always research being done and doctors are always uh, and researchers are always doing such a great job in terms of unveiling new facts about co disease.
0: Yeah, definitely. I actually didn't know about this until <laughs> before talking to you, so I'm glad like more people are finding out about it, and hopefully there's more people like you getting involved so like, they would find a cure faster. So you said that they don't really know the reasoning about it, but do they have any facts about what it could be or any theories, or mm-hmm. are you more interested in finding out why people get it, or are you more interested in a cure or both?
1: That's a great question. So to answer the first part, do people have kind of idea why? And yeah, there are there are a lot of research being done in terms of what may uh, be factors that play in this complex game of who gets Kawasaki disease and why. So one main thing is the genetic predisposition. So for some reason, it happens more in people of Asian heritage and for related. Um, MISC, which is also like it stands for multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, and it's basically a keosoc disease-like onset during COVID-19. That one happens more often in blacks and Latinos, so we're not really sure why, but there should be a genetic factor to it, um, but the, genet- the genes are probably not, any, not everything, because siblings can have it and, other, and the other siblings cannot have it. So it's like really complex. Um, and personally, I'm not too knowledgeable on this medical side, so um, definitely I'm still learning a lot as well. But um, from my understanding, there is a genetic predisposition, but there's also a trigger. So something something uh, that may be an environment, that may be um, like rising air pollution, climate, all these things that may be the trigger for Kawasaki disease and really um, have the onset occur. It's it's really interesting because SARS-CoV-2 actually may be a trigger. Um, it's uncertain yet, but a lot of kids recently have actually gotten Kawasaki disease-like signs, like with the heart inflammation, with the common symptoms like the swollen hands and feet. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's becoming more and more of a problem. And I think finding out the why is super important. Um, so although I'm not directly involved with the why as of right now, I'm mainly working on um, trying to help early diagnosis and treatment. I definitely am looking forward to doing that in the future and seeing how can, I can help in terms of actually in, uncovering this mystery and like um, also understanding why my sister got Kiyosak disease, because I think it's such a mysterious part of her story and um, also like my family's story that, um, I would really love to find out as well. And maybe this could help other children in the future who are at risk to cause heart disease.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like uh, when a disease like mainly affects kids, it's kind of harder because mm-hmm. you can't really ask the patient's symptoms on, like adults. So I feel like there needs to be more research and COVID definitely could be a factor into it. I feel like a lot of things are rising in kids because of rising air pollution and just our environment. Mm-hmm. It's like really scary especially for new parents, so not yeah. raising awareness about it. Hopefully more people know. Um, so uh, like previously you mentioned ISEF and I knew you were there for like two years. So can you tell us more about what it is and uh, what you did for it and any research?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so ICEF, for people for listeners who may not be familiar, is um, a type of research or science fair Um, And so there are many science fairs, you can probably find one in your local area, there's tons of these, and they've been around for a really long time. I think there's so many pictures from like 100, like 100 years ago, like 50 years ago, and there's these science fairs where uh, people really got together and were really interested in science. This spurred so many scientific innovations, right, people sharing ideas, it's really just a great place. Um, There's so many famous scientists that also. So I um, started off actually pitching or starting presenting their ideas in science fairs and getting all of this great feedback um, and meeting people who can potentially help them in their projects as well. Um, and so, yeah, the first time I went to a science fair was around two years ago. I had been working on this project for about one year and I really just wanted to get some feedback. I hadn't really shared it with anyone and I really wanted to hear from actual pre- practitioners and industry leaders and all of these types of really amazing, cool people who um, give up their time to really try to help the next Generation of scientific research um, and researchers, and yeah, it was it was a great experience. Starting off local science fairs, I was I was really thankful to actually be able to qualify for ISF. Um, even though it was canceled the first year, this year it actually happened virtually. And I think the main benefit of ISF is just the amount of inspiration you get from all these other scientists. We kind of realize there's so many people working on cool projects, and it just feels amazing to be able to have so much so much like knowledge out there that you can help absorb and you can work on all of these things too. Um, really the amount of, the amount of knowledge on the internet today and the amount of knowledge you can gain from just talking with others is really amazing. Um, and so there's like tons of, tons of things that you can work on even today. And I think that's a really cool thing about ISA, just seeing people who are literally, um, teenagers working on like cancer, working on like all these types of technology, like drones, all these types of things. Right. And it's really motivating, really inspiring. Um, and just hearing, how science is always continuing to progress, um, even during very difficult times, is something that always continues to motivate me. So yeah, it's been an amazing experience. I'm really thankful to have been able to go to ISEF twice, um, despite the fact that it's virtual. So hoping that one day I'll be able to go in person.
0: Oh yeah, hopefully next year it's in person. Um, So what was your, was it about Kawasaki disease too for ISEF or was it something else?
1: yeah so my project for both years of ICEF was about my disease early diagnosis, but yeah, I switched between the medicine side and the computer science side because my project was pretty interdisciplinary
0: yeah, and I feel like another thing with like these competitions is finding people that like the same thing as you, and I feel like you mm-hmm. know like getting like different perspectives on it is really enlightening, and I really like it um, so you're talking about motivators. is there anything else that motivates you to do it for? Any person?
1: Yeah, honestly, probably my younger sister. Um, she always motivates me to try and uncover more about Kawasaki disease and really just thinking about how like, amazing she is in my life and what could have happened without those doctors who really diagnosed her, really helped treat her. It makes me just really want to give back to the community. And I know there's so many kids like, like her. There's thousands of kids who get Kawasaki disease each year. And just think about all of these lives, right? All of these small young hearts who have so much ahead of them in the future. Just think about that really makes me want to take action and really makes me want to do this research. But yeah, I think the main motivator is is my younger sister. She's always very uplifting, always really excited. And yeah, she she is such a happy and healthy kid. And I'm really thankful that she was able to uh, get over co disease. That's really cool.
0: And I'm glad too, honestly. Like, I feel like we all meet like one person in our life like that. And I'm glad you uh-uh. have a sister. So do you have any plans for the future? Um, do you know what university you'd like to go to or anything like that?
1: Yeah. Um, so this is a really great question. And I think I've been thinking about this quite a lot. But um, honestly, I have very little idea of what I want to do in the future. I know some things I tend not to like but I don't know exactly what I do like and I think a lot of times it's okay to keep your options open Uh, and I think especially because a lot of people do have dreams that they have from young age which is really awesome or they have a clear goal of what they want to do in the future but then there's some people who like don't have an idea or who have so many diverse or like kind of spread out interests and it's hard to find just one thing to work on I think that's kind of me at the moment I'm just always trying to explore and venture into new fields um, and one, one maxim that I've kind of adopted is that if you don't try something, you would never know if you would liked it. So um, there's so many different fields I haven't even heard of yet or haven't even tried. And I would never know if I would have liked it if I didn't try it. And so I think um, I'm still always continually exploring, trying to find um, what really excites me, what really keeps me up at night, just like thinking about it, being super excited. And I think co disease and research is definitely a big part of that. Um, But there's also so many other things that I haven't tried yet, which I'm really looking forward to trying. Um, And also so many areas and so many possibilities that you can work on so many things. Like you really have infinite possibilities to work on whatever you want in the future and infinite things to research. There's so much, so many things that we don't yet know. So many questions that are unanswered about the universe. And yeah, just being able to investigate that and finding a lead, following it for some time, just exploring that way is something I'm probably planning to do in the future
0: that's actually a really good answer because I actually like feel the same way I feel like um like as a like a rising senior now I feel like uh-huh. everything like, drilling it in your brain to like have a fixed goal in life and like to figure everything out and I'm like I'm only 17 and yeah definitely
1: it. there's so so much time mm-hmm. um and yeah, there's one quote that I heard recently and it was like, you shouldn't tell kids uh, to work hard for their dream. Just tell them to work hard because their dream can always like be changing and like kind of forcing kids to pick a dream it might be a little bit like stressful in that statement. So yeah, I definitely feel like just working hard at whatever you do is really important. Um, and yeah.
0: For sure. I feel like our hobbies and interests are like, constantly changing. Like I'm not even the person I was like before COVID started. So I feel like I've delved into a lot of new interests. And I feel like you shouldn't have everything planned out. I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. good if you're that type of person. But yeah, yeah for on, sure. focusing on teenagers, um, my last question is, what advice would you give other teenagers who want to pursue researching or do what you're doing?
1: Yeah, Um. so first, if you are a teenager and you want to start research, I um, just wanted to commend you for that because it is uh, a really hard first step, I guess, in just picking like saying that you want to venture into something unknown, really try to solve a problem that no one else may have solved before is really scary. But also it's such an amazing experience. So yeah, if you do want to go into research, first of all, that's a great first step. And just being open to doing that is really incredible in and of itself. But for advice and how to get started, I think the biggest advice I'd say is find an idea that genuinely excites you. And it doesn't have to be anything that's directly related to you, just something that if you think about um like what's something that excites you so much that keeps you up at night or feels like time flies by whenever you're learning about it, and then just trying to delve into that and find something original, find something that only uh, like something that's uniquely you right I mean, we all have our ideas, we all have certain things that we've thought of that like no one else has probably thought of before, um so just chasing that thread um, just trying to explore and honestly um it's about it's about the experience right I know it's kind of cheesy um and cliche, but really just taking that first step and you'll meet like trying to meet really cool people um, who may help you on the way, trying to work with others and just learning something new is something really amazing. And even if you don't decide to pursue your first idea after working on it for some time, you can still take those learnings and everything's interconnected in some way. Everything's applicable um, in some way or another to another uh, tangentially applied field. And so, yeah, I'd say just like find an idea you really care about. And then just let it carry you away, right? You don't have to have a certain structure. You didn't have to find a certain set of rules or criteria or guidelines. There's really no right way to do research. And although there are certain tips that people can give, um, for example, like um, trying to be methodical in your ways and doing the right types of testing to make sure that the, your variable, your testing is actually right. But in general, it's just a very you type of experience. So definitely try to find your unique unique voice, unique um interest in doing the research and kind of just treat it as a fun opportunity and being thankful that you actually get to work on something that you really enjoy
0: honestly I feel like the best advice I've heard is like just start it because like Mm -hmm. the whole time we're like anticipating like oh maybe it won't work but really if you like just start whatever you're doing you just find your way so Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what like a lot of people don't do and that's why we don't have a lot of teenage researchers and a lot of people in the field who are young because it's like really intimidating but there's people like you and I feel like there's more teenagers on the rise in this field so thank you so much for joining us honestly it's been like amazing to have you on our podcast and I feel like a lot of our listeners have learned so much about Kawasaki I know that I have
1: so Mm -hmm. is there
0: anything you'd like to say before we
1: sign off I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Um, And also, I love podcasts. I love conversations. Um, I'm a big podcaster myself. So I love this type of format of just making a connection with someone, uh, being able to share like your direct thoughts and authenticity during that exact moment. So yeah, I really appreciate this opportunity. And thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. Honestly,
0: I really love how it's like, unscripted like it's flowing and I feel like I learned a lot about you and if you would like to ask us a question about today's podcast or would like to offer your own expertise and join us as a guest speaker please email us at the link in the description box thank you for supporting our new podcast and we hope you've enjoyed listening to today's session stay safe and see you soon bye